Good morning and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Arch Hunter, the host of the program. Our American Heritage is a program where we explore in depth the American experience from our beginning through the present. And today we want to continue our talk on founding mothers. We know so much about our founding fathers of American history. And just within the past few years, historians have begun to honestly look at and seriously look at so many of the influential women in American history. And we're only beginning to really scratch the surface on looking at so many women that had this tremendous influence in American history from the beginning of our country all the way through the present. And we have to look at all of our history in context all together. And for so long, we have taken different aspects of our history. And that's the only parts of our history that we have talked about, which gives us a lack of appreciation, I believe, because it gives us a lack of really a broad view of American history. And if we only take one aspect of American history, one aspect of a story, we're not getting the full story. And so much today is we're seeing so many authors either on the educational level that are writing and emphasizing one aspect of American history that when we only emphasize one aspect of it, it distorts the full picture. We have to put the full picture together. And I must say for so long in our history that we've only looked at certain aspects of our history, which hasn't given us a full understanding of it. But if you emphasize all the positive without the negative, you get a warped view. If you emphasize the negative, it gives us a warped view of the positive. And so we must come to a balance. And I'm absolutely convinced as an historian that eventually we will get to much more of a balance of putting all of our history together, looking at all of our history, and not just simply emphasizing one aspect of our history over another aspect of our history. And I have mentioned so many it's popular right now, particularly in education, to talk about the 1619 Project and critical race theory, and that's being emphasized. And if we just only emphasize that and only view that or investigate that as an historian, as a citizen, as an educator or a person or a student, it's still going to give us the warped view. And it's going to give us a war view where it's going to be a, a critically negative view, and it's not going to be an accurate view. So I encourage all of us as listeners, as historians, as readers, as investigators, is take all of our history, put it together, come up with a much broader view so that we get a, a more, much more accurate view of our history. And so with that being said, we're looking at some of our founding mothers of American history. And actually, the term founding fathers really doesn't come into being until early during the turn of the century, given to us by uh, Warren G. Harding. And it, he came up with the term of founding fathers. And so from that point on, we started calling uh, the men of American history, or early in our history, the, the founding fathers. So we need to look at is what we call founding mothers. And in, in the previous show, we talked about Martha Washington. And then we talked a little bit about Abigail Adams and another founding mother that plays a tremendous importance in our history is Mercy Otis Warren, which a lot of people are not familiar with Mercy Otis Warren, but she had tremendous influence early on on a lot of our founding fathers and influencing a lot of colonists early on in our history during the revolution 
And then after the revolutionary time period, Mercy Otis Warren was an activist. She was an activist poet. Uh, she was a playwright. She was a writer. And it's a tremendously important in this time period to get out your publications, to get out your pamphlets, to get out your plays, to get out your poetry so people can read it and be influenced by it. Um, she published a lot of poems and plays attacking the royal authorities in Massachusetts before the American Revolution, which actually, you know, that could have and that would put her life in, in danger and imprisonment because she spoke out against the British government and the British government now taking over the legal responsibilities and the royal authorities in Boston of taking over the courts, taking over uh, the royal governorship. So she spoke out quite a bit about that, particularly in her writings, writing the poems, uh, writing plays, attacking the royal authorities in Boston during this time period. She married James Warren, and you're probably familiar with the name James Warren, who was related to Dr. Joseph Warren. They're related. They were not brothers, but she married James Warren. In 1788, she wrote a pamphlet called The Observations on the New Constitution, which was very important positively for the founding, our founding document of the Constitution. And then she wrote another pamphlet on the Federal and State Convention. That became very popular, and, and, and it gave a tremendous amount of support for the ratification of our Constitution and also for the Bill of Rights. She wrote under a, a synonym name because she did not want to have it criticized or people not to write it or read it because uh, she was a woman. Most people believed that her writings early on were written by Elbridge Gerry. Uh, a very famous uh, politician uh, from Massachusetts. And many people believe that Elbridge Gerry wrote these pamphlets. But we now know that they were written by uh, Mercy Otis Warren in favor of the revolution, supporting the American Revolution, supporting the uh, passage of the Constitution, writing about the importance of federal and state conventions, and she wrote under her pseudonym name was a Colombian patriot. And that's what she wrote under. And again, most people thought it was Eldridge Jerry. By 1805, her works were published and possibly her works being published were the first works published on American history. And it was three volumes. So a lot of us are convinced that if it wasn't the first published work on American history. It was very close to the first, and I believe it was the first uh, published works on American history, and it was three volumes. And it was called The History of the Rise, Progress, and Termination of the American Revolution. And this was published in 1805, and it was written by Mercy Otis Warren. She corresponded a lot during her lifetime with Abigail Adams, John Adams, Martha Washington. She corresponded with and, and supported a lot of their political views and supported the American Revolution. She corresponded a tremendous amount with Hannah Winthrop, who was John Winthrop's wife. And John Adams wrote a letter to James Warren 
Mercy Otis Warren's husband. And I would like to read a quote from John Adams to James Warren about Mercy Otis Warren. John Adams wrote to James Warren, tell your wife that God Almighty has entrusted her with the powers for the good of the world, which in the cause of his providence, he bestows on few of the human race, that instead of being a fault to use them, it would be criminal to neglect them. So what a tremendous uh, thought by John Adams about Mercy Otis Warren. Tell your wife that God Almighty has entrusted her with the powers for the good of the world, which in the cause of his providence, he bestows on few of the human race. That instead of being a fault to use them, it would be criminal to neglect them. So Adams is saying that this tremendous influence of writing skill and this astuteness that Mercy Otis Warren had, John Adams is saying that how criminal it would be not to use her tremendous talents that she had helping the early days of our country and throughout the American Revolution. In 1790, Mercy Otis Warren was asked by President Washington to approve her writings on American history. How important would that be for George Washington to put his stamp of approval on writings of American history? So Mercy Otis Warren asked President Washington to approve her writings on American history, which Washington read and he gladly and respectfully gave her approval for what she wrote. Thomas Jefferson helped her get her works published. And interesting, but a little sadly, a lot of her works were published in France because the pub so many of the publishers in America would only publish things written by men. Jefferson was tremendously influential in getting her works published. There was a, a World War II ship, a, a Liberty ship named in her honor. In 2002, the National Women Hall of Fame in Seneca, New York, made Mercy Otis Warren part of the Boston Women's Heritage Trail. So we see her influence through her writings in the before the revolution, during the revolution, and then her significance after the revolution in her writings. And again, the quote from John Adams written to James Warren about his wife, it, it, it has great impact, not only in that time period, but all the, through today. Another one that I'd like to talk to you about is someone that probably is not known at all in American history, uh, Lydia Dara. But Lydia Dara was a tremendous influence early on in American history and is considered one of our founding mothers. She was born in Dublin, Ireland. She, she emigrated to the United States in 1753, settling in Philadelphia. Uh, her husband, William Dara, was a, a, a school teacher. They were Quakers, but their oldest son shied away or shunned away from the Quaker faith, and their son Charles joined the Continental Army. And during the occupation of, Phil of Philadelphia, uh, General Howe in Philadelphia headquarters accessed the street right across from the Dara home or right close to the Dara home. And then General Howe also uh, accessed the Dara home because he needed more room. Lydia. Lydia Dara talked General Howe into allowing the Dara family to remain in the house during the occupation of Philadelphia. 
And of course, General Howe agreed to that because he knew that the, the Dara family were Quakers, which were technically neutral, but oftentimes the, the Quakers were favored the British. And General Howe knew that the Quakers favored the British. And certainly General Howe was confident that no, no Quaker would ever help the American Revolution. So this is important because as Lydia Dower was still in the home, oftentimes when General Howe would have his meetings and talk about the, what was going on at Valley Forge, the, the general vicinities, uh, Lydia Dower was there. And Lydia Dower oftentimes helped serve General Howe's staff and listen to the conversations going on. And then Lydia would pass the information on to Washington at Valley Forge particularly through her youngest son. And oftentimes her youngest son and Lydia were able to get out of Philadelphia for the purpose of buying food. And of course, they would have passes through the lines because they would receive those passes from General Howe. And then she was able to pass on information to General Washington, particularly out at Valley Forge. And so actually Lydia's importance was she became a spy. She was a spy for General Washington and the Continental Army and, and supported uh, the Continental Army in, in fighting for our freedom. Very important was even before Valley Forge, after the Battle of Germantown, General Howe tried to fake or feign or get Washington to attack him one more time out of Plymouth, Plymouth White Marsh. And Howe thought that he could take on Washington one last time and then destroys Washington's army. So it was really a well-planned out attack by General Howe. And General Howe thought that Washington would take the bait and have his army destroyed. It was Lydia Dara who passed that information, that intel onto Washington out of Plymouth White Marsh or at the White Marsh location and told General Washington that what General Howe was doing, he was planning a trap and that General Washington should not take the bait. And we know now through history that Washington did not take the bait at White Marsh and Washington backed away from what General Howe was planning there to trap General Washington's army. And honestly, that very well could have destroyed Washington's Continental Army. And we know what the history would be if Washington's army would have been destroyed there. There would be no Valley Forge. There would be no standing army. And the revolution, no doubt, would have been over. So Lydia Darrow plays tremendous importance with getting information to Washington about Plymouth White Marsh, about the trap that Howe was trying to set up for Washington there, and for Washington not to take on the British Army there. And so Washington retreated away from White Marsh. General Howe then took the rest of the army into Philadelphia for the occupation of Philadelphia. And then Washington uh, moved his army out the Valley Forge for their winter encampment. That was December 19th, of 1777 through June 19th, of 1778. And that would have destroyed the Continental Army, which I said. Uh, William and Lydia Dara were expelled from the Quaker society in 1783 when it became known that they were actively involved in supporting the American Revolution and supporting the American cause and the Continental Army. So they were expelled from the Quaker society in 1783. 
In 2013, the National Society of the Sons of the American Revolution uh, created the Lydia Dara Medal. And this medal yearly is awarded to a woman who has demonstrated service towards the nation. So from 2013 through now, the Lydia Dara Medal of Service to the Nation is awarded yearly from the Sons of the American Revolution to one of the women that helps support and gives service to our nation. So Lydia Dara, again, we see a name that not a lot of people know anything about, but the importance that we see Lydia Dara played during the American Revolution. Another founding mother that comes to mind is Deborah Sampson. Deborah Sampson, a woman, disguised herself as a man and fought in the Continental Army under the name of Robert Chotif. And so we see several women who disguised themselves and fought in, in the Continental Army. And Deborah Sampson uh, was probably the most famous one that fought in the Continental Army under the name of Robert Chotif. Esther Real, she was the founder of the Ladies Association of Philadelphia. Also very important because she raised a lot of money had a lot of clothing made and supported the Continental Army and, and, and the Ladies Association of Philadelphia has major significance in support of the Continental Army uh, during the American Revolution. If I were to ask you who the longest first lady was in American history, most of people would say uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. Actually, the lady who served the longest first lady in our history is Dolly Madison. She served as hostess for President Jefferson throughout his presidency. And then she served as first lady for her husband, James Madison. So Dolly Madison uh, was the longest acting first lady in American history. And we know the importance that she had, particularly during the War of 1812 in supporting uh, some of her husband's correspondence and plans during the War of 1812, and then getting so many of the portraits out of the White House and saving the portrait of George Washington and getting out of there before the British were able to burn some of the, the White House. Elizabeth Schuler Hamilton, she wrote tremendous correspondence for General Schuler during the war and then founded orphanages in New York City and Washington, D.C. for uh, orphans of the Revolutionary War. So again, we see a, a tremendous importance. Molly Pitchard, who there were many Molly Pitchards during the first for the Revolutionary War. Uh, Margaret Corbin, Molly Pitchard. She was the first woman to receive a military pension uh, for what she was able to do to support so many of the Continental soldiers, particularly the artillery during the American Revolution. And later on, she received a military pension for what she did uh, during the American Revolution. I would also put in there one that we don't think about, uh, Deborah Reed Franklin. 14 years, she had been separated from Benjamin Franklin during Benjamin Franklin being in Europe and negotiating with the British and then negotiating in Paris and then negotiating uh, the peace treaty. Uh, so 14 years, she was separated from Benjamin Franklin. And then earlier on in Franklin's political career, when he, he supported the Albany plan 
Deborah Franklin also supported the Albany plan and helped promote the Albany plan for her husband. So one that we don't think much about, Deborah Franklin, has pl- played significance uh, during uh, the early years and during and before the American Revolution. We know of Paul Revere. There was actually five who were signaling towards uh, Bostonians and the Albany suburbs uh, that the regulars were coming. Sybil Luddington. She was 16 years old, who rode, who rode also on a horse, and were warning, warning colonists that the regulars were coming out of Boston, and so we see her. Uh, and today there is actually a a statue of her in the Boston Commons. So uh, Sybil Luddington, tremendous uh, influence that we see her impact on the American Revolution. Judith Sargent Murray. She published a book, pamphlet book in 1780, writing about the equality of the sexes. And so we see early on in our history that the women's movement was beginning early on in our history, which took a tremendously long time to finally get to in the the 1880s. But we see Abigail Adams, Martha Washington. We see Deborah Franklin. We see Judith Murray early on in American history, writing about the equality of the sexes, the importance of education, equal rights, not only for men, but also for women in American history. So these women had tremendous influences uh, in American history. And the last one that I'd like to just share with is Anna Green Winslow. She was a writer. She made uniforms. She made uniforms for the men of the Boston Tea Party. She supported the Boston Tea Party. She wrote tremendous pamphlets and correspondence during the the late 1760s and early 1770s in Boston, supporting the, the Boston Tea Party, and before that, the Boston Massacre. And she was 13 years old, 13 years old, writing. And, and corresponding and writing pamphlets in support of Boston and the colonists in Boston, Boston Massacre, and then the Boston Tea Party. And then she also helped make uniforms to disguise the men of the Boston Tea Party. So this is just a sample, listeners, of a few of the women that we could spend a tremendous time on of looking at the influence of so many women early on in American history. And this is open. This is ongoing. This is constantly we're seeing this influence that we're beginning to reveal and 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 peeling the onion skin away and seeing this importance that so many women have had early in the American Revolution, early in our country, throughout American history, all the way through the present. So as we are reading, as we are studying, as we are listening, keep in mind, look at American history in broad strokes, in broad brushes. There are many aspects to American history. My mantra is history is a study of human behavior. Study the human behavior in American history, whether it's male or female, whether it's minority, African-American, immigrant, Native American, continue to read, continue to study, continue to get a broad idea of it's just not one person. It's just not one uh, males, 
that were influential in this country, but it was all this putting our significance or our importance together in American history. And I'll close with Abraham Lincoln said that every one of us is a link in the importance of America. And we can never forget that. So read, understand, read about the founding mothers, read about the influence of the women of American history and appreciate what so many women and so many women, the importance that they've had in American history and, and keep reading about that and, and seeing so much more of a broader story than the one that, that we have known for so long. This is 1180 AM WFYL, working for your liberty. <laughs>